0: Amen, amen. Well, good morning. It's good to be back with you here this morning. I thank you so much for being here. Um, This week I've done something that I have never done. I've often told people, if you see me out running, call the cops. Somebody's chasing me. (laughs) But my, 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 my... kids and uh, my in-law or my daughter-in-laws wanted to run a 5k (laughs) and uh my son said dad if you'll sign up I'll run it with you all right so I sign up and we at uh five o'clock Thursday morning we get up to go to Nags Head to run this thing of course I made my way toward the back and uh I said, you know, I trying to talk myself out of it the whole time. I said, no, nah, if I can just finish, you know, hey, it is what it is, I, I, I'll make it. So I get up there, and all of a sudden, bow. the gun goes off, and there we go. And here I am, and there again, I'm not lashed, but I'm trotting steady pace. <coughs> well, by the first mile, I'm regretting it. And uh, all of a sudden, I see the, by the first mile, and I made the first mile, the first runners that took off are passing me going back. And you know, you have this guy that wins at some kid running in 17 minutes. You know, I mean, that's, that's humming. Okay, and that's not, it. I mean, it, it's moving. I'm going, unbelievable. So I keep going. Well, as I go around the corner on the two mile, there's this man sitting in a wheelchair going, come on, keep going, buddy, you got it. And all of a sudden, this lady's riding around a bicycle. She's circling, come on, keep going, let's go, 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 go. And it was awesome, but every time, at the time, it's aggravating. They call them pushers. Make sure everybody pushes across finish line. Well, I couldn't think of a better better illustration to use this morning than being a pusher. See, what's going to happen here in Hebrews chapter 5? I'm just going to be honest with you. You read the title, it's from milk to solid food. Sometimes we need to be pushed. That we need somebody back behind us going, come on. Come on, you own a race, you got to keep pressing forward toward the finish line. You see, as we have been discussing in Hebrews that here you have this group of believers that were Jewish believers that got people in the ear. And if you ever notice that when you get to running a race or get out there to doing something, especially when you're doing work for the Lord, there's always distractions. And if we take a moment within ourselves and stop and let those distractions ponder, pretty soon we get off course from the task or the goal we had set before us. And this is what's happening. Their goal, their their purpose, they believe that what God had called them to had been thwarted by people outside. They're not listening. They're not growing. They're not maturing. And, and, And let me just be this morning the pusher that gets everybody here to have an understanding and appreciation for your salvation. To understand that if you are a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, the same Christ that saved you will sustain you, you got to keep going, people. we in a race. And one day we'll cross that finish line. But we have to keep going. Stand with me as we read Hebrews chapter 5. For every high priest taken from among men is appointed on behalf of men and things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He can deal gently with the ignorant and misguided. He, can, he himself also is beset with weakness. And because of it, he is obligated to offer sacrifice for sins as for the people, so also for himself. And no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself so as to become a high priest, but he who said to him, You are my son, today I have begotten you, just as he says also in another passage, You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh he offered up both prayers and supplications with loud crying tears to the one able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his piety. Although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. He suffered and having been made perfect, having my, Okay, he, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Concerning him we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to the need need milk and not solid food, for everyone who also partakes only of milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Dear Heavenly Father, as we study into your word, may you be glorified in all things. The Lord, we would have a clear understanding of your word this morning, and that everything that we say or do would bring glory to your name. And all God's people said, you may be seated. If we could go back to the first verse, I want to get to the meat, which is in the third, but I think the preceding meat has weight. You see, again, he's having to reemphasize the point of Christ's superiority. We have talked about how Christ is superior to the angels, Christ is superior to the prophets, and Christ is a great high priest. But if you'll look what he says, he says, for every priest, taken among men is appointed on behalf of men in order things pertaining to God in order to offer both gifts and sacrifices for sins. He can deal gently with the ignorant, misguided, since he himself also beset with weakness. Exodus 28 was the installation of the priest, if you will. Now the priests were men that were called from the people but appointed by God, okay? They were called from among the people but they were appointed by God. This is a God-called office, this is something that God has called. He has appointed. He has established, was a priest. And here's the thing. They were called on behalf of men, a mediator, if you will, that would go be the voice between men and God. Now, to do this, it's is very interesting to me. They had to be compassionate people. Compassionate people who cared about the... Hearts and souls of the people. See, the priest had a blessed breastplate. Upon that breastplate would be twelve stones, and each stone would be the names of the tribes of Israel. It would also be on their shoulder straps. Now listen, therefore, listen, therefore, the people of Israel, the Hebrews, the Jews, were always on the shoulders and the heart of the priest. He had to be compassionate. The hearts and souls were always on their heart and was always on their shoulders. And He would be the mediator. He offered both gifts and sacrifices for sin. He dealt gently with the ignorant and misguided since He Himself also is beset with weakness. He was a man. He was a man who had compassion for the people. He was among the people. But yet, He was sinful just like the people. And see, once a year, He Himself would have to make atonement for his sin. You see, as great as the priests were, they were not greater than Christ. And he's re, re, retelling them and saying, look, as great as these men were, they are nothing compared to Christ. They are sinful people. They are compassionate. They are people who have the heart of, of, of the people all on their heart, but they're still sinful people. And look what he says. And no one takes the honor to himself but receives it when he is called by God even as Aaron was. This is not a job that people wanted. Let me tell you something from a pastor's heart. The more I studied this word, and and, and I studied this word, I laid in bed a lot this week. Hey, that's vacation, man. You rest. So I laid in bed a lot and I read. And I got to thinking about that. And I got to thinking about, as a man who is called by God to preach the word, I am not a priest, but I am a mouthpiece for God that must have compassion for the people. I am a man that needs Jesus Christ. I am not a man that is perfect. I am a man who has a sinful nature. I need Christ just like you do. But I am also a man that's been called by God to do this. And let me tell you, as I posted something on Facebook a while back, there's no glory in this. There is no glory being a mouthpiece for God. They did not seek glory. They sought to glorify God. And here's what I want you to understand when you're talking about the heart, hearts of people on your heart and on your shoulders. That is a large burden to carry. It is a great burden to carry. A burden which you know that everything you say must represent God. And we cannot lead people astray because if we lead people astray, then we're not speaking for God, but of ourselves. I am not a priest. I cannot forgive you of your sin. I do not have that ability. These priests that were called by God And the Old Testament's beautiful. These men that were mediators would lay their hands on the sacrifice, therefore transferring guilt, covering the sin, but they could not remove it. No preacher can remove your sin. The only person that can remove your sin is Jesus Christ. Period. So let me tell you this. If Jesus I'm getting ahead of myself, but I'm going to say it. If Jesus Christ is the great high priest, then what makes us think we need to go to a man who's called priest and confess our sins? Christ alone. Christ alone. Look what he says. And this no honor takes to honor to himself, but he receives it when he is called by God, even as Aaron was. So also Christ did not glorify himself as to become a high priest, But who said to him, you are my my son, today I have begotten you. I want you to listen. He did not glorify himself to become priest. Psalms 110 says he was declared priest. How was he declared priest? Today I have begotten you because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is the great high priest because he paid the sacrifice for sin. And he don't have to go back and do it over and over and over because he was perfect and he was sinless. Christ is the great high priest. There's no man that can forgive you of your sins. Now we can forgive people when they sin against us, but we do not possess the power to forgive eternal sin. We don't possess that. No man does. I don't care what title he claims. He does not have that power. Only Christ has the power to remove sin. And he said, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Just as he says also in another passage, you are a priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek. I'm going to tell you something cool. Now you might not pick up on this, but let me tell you what he's saying about the supremacy of Christ as a great high priest. Now, we learned that Jacob, who had become Israel, had 12 sons. Of his 12 sons, he had one named Levi. We get the Levites from that group. Now, if you've been here on Wednesday nights, we've been talking about the Levites as we've been going through a series on giving. And I know everybody's going, oh, here we go. Look, look. Giving is just as much a part of worship as singing and preaching the word. you join us on Wednesdays. But we've been studying about Melchizedek. Is he'd be introduced in Genesis. But I want you to look what the text says, and I'm going to give you some cool, cool things. It says, according to the order of Melchizedek. Now, you see, Levi had three sons. And this is, this is I, I, I'm telling you, 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 this is beautiful. People say the Old Testament. Man, try to get bogged down. You've got to read the Old Testament, people. The Old Testament still the Word of God. You see, Levi had three sons, Gershon, Kohath, and Merari. Now, all three of those sons' families had tabernacle duties. You'll find this in the book of Numbers, chapter 3. Now, they all had duties in the tabernacle, but they weren't all priests. The priests come from the line of Kohath, which that's where Aaron comes from. Now, now, go with me on this. Aaron, all your Levites under Aaron, or all the priests, I'm sorry, come after the line of Aaron to be high priest. But there are some people who have decided to try to be priest, and it didn't work out too well. But I want you to think about this for a few moments. Aaron's line, why did he say Melchizedek instead of Aaron? Well, see, Aaron's a man, and his priesthood end. But Melchizedek is an unending priesthood. Jesus was not after a line that would end but after an eternal line. That is so cool. That's why the Bible's so awesome that he throws that in there. This is is language they would understand. Here it is, a man saying, wait a minute, Aaron was the the line of priest and Jesus is greater than him because he comes after the Lord Melchizedek, and it's unending. Jesus is the unending high priest. And it's so beautiful because I want you to think about this for a few moments. There were several men, the word, the word tells us, that wanted to become priests. But of course, here's the thing. Priests are appointed by God. It is a specific title by him. The Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 16, there was a man named Korah who rebelled against Moses and Aaron. You know what happened to Korah? The ground opened up and it swallowed him. You have King Uzziah, who would try to go in and and make sacrifice and he wouldn't, or burn incense, which he wasn't supposed to burn. God struck him with leprosy. Then, of course, you have Saul, who offered up sacrifices that he didn't have the right to offer up, and God left him. You see, these men were appointed by God to be speakers for God or speakers for men, to God. But yet, as great as men as they were in the office that they held, Christ is so much superior because of His death, burial, and resurrection, He is a part of a line that is unending. It does not end. It is eternal. And He is our great high priest. It says, In the days of His flesh, He offered up both prayers and supplications without crying and tears to the one able to save Him from death. And he was heard because of his piety. And although he was a son, he learned obedience and things which he suffered. I want you to think about this. People say, Jesus was fully God. Yes, he was also fully man. The Bible tells me that Jesus wept when Lazarus died. The Bible tells me when Jesus was hungry, he ate. The Bible tells me that he drank water when he was thirsty. The Bible tells me that when Jesus was in the garden, he said, not your will, but thine be done. But could this cup pass from me? You see, not only did he suffer, and he had all the faculties of a man, he still was obedient to the Father in all things, which means he was sinless. And there's no priest that could measure up to that. Be only the high priest, which is Jesus Christ. You see, not only is Jesus suffered like a man and understood all the faculties like a man, he had compassion for people. You see? No greater person to go to than the person in the work of Jesus Christ who not only has compassion to know where you're coming from, to know where you are, but he also knows your heart. Not only can he take and uh, uh, mold and create in you a new creation, but he can sustain with you. No man can do that. Only the person the work of Christ. And he says, listen, although he was a son, he learned obedience from the things which he suffered. And having been made perfect, he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation. I don't know how much clearer that can be. He is the source. Now, there's a lot of religions that will claim the Bible is holy. But yet they will add things to it. The Bible tells me that he became to all those who obey him the source of eternal salvation, being designated by God as the high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. For he is eternal, he is unending, he is righteous, he is holy. And let me tell you, brothers and sisters, he's the only way. Now look. He says concerning him, we have much to say, and it's hard to explain since you have become dull of hearing. He will go deeper into Melchizedek in Hebrews chapter 7. Maybe he didn't do it because they don't understand what they're listening to because they're not growing. I want to ask every one of you are you growing? Are you growing in the Word? You see, what's interesting to me about this text is they're no different than any of us. Sometimes we are all hard-headed and we fashion things in our own making. But I want you to listen to what he says. For though this time you ought to be teachers, you have need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. You see what he's saying here? Here we go again. You won't listen. You know this, but you're not growing in it. You're running from it. And my question to each and every human being I'm going to ask you this. When we are born, we become babies, right? We're babies when we're born, right? Nobody's grown a full adult. Hope not. But everybody's a born a baby. And as we begin to grow, we eat different things. Now, that being said, I had the awesome privilege of spending time with my granddaughter and my grandson. Now, one's one and one's four. Now, there's age difference, correct? One can walk, one's struggling a little bit, walks a little bit, stands up. One to eat anything you put in front of them, one, we can't do that because all the teeth ain't there. Okay, you have a baby. So we have to feed each one of them differently. Okay, you see where I'm going with this? So what that means, as that child, she can eat little bread things and baby food and pancakes and things of that nature, but this boy can chomp on a chili cheeseburger. And once she figures out how good that tastes, she'll be able to chomp on one. You see what I'm saying? But here's the point. When you start off as an infant to grow... In mold, you need to be nurtured. You need food that will help you grow. Milk will begin to lose its nurturing power. You have to have solid food. The analogy is being made here spiritually for all of us and to them. There are a lot of people that I know that claim to be believers, but they're still drinking milk. You see, let me tell you something. I don't know if some of you my age or older, you may remember this. I'm going to make a point. You can't eat at the child's table forever. You see, when I was a child, I'm going to tell you what happened. No offense to kids, but this is the way it was when I was a kid. Then whenever you had a family reunion or you had a big gathering, of family, the kids always eat last. Some of y'all remember this, you know in your head. The kids went through the line last. Or they went through with their mama and daddy. They were never first in line. Because there was an authority. Mom and daddy went first. Kids eat at the kid table. Or the kids walk through with your parents. Well, Chad, that's just bad. Listen, I'm telling you how it was. Okay? One thing that, I'm not, there you go. It don't matter. But here's my point. When I was a child, I couldn't wait to the time that I was able to get up from the kid's table and sit with the adults. You see my point? I couldn't wait for that time. Because I want to hear what they have to say. I don't want my food being flopped and cars landing in it. And I'll come look. It was fun when I was a kid. But as I got older, it's time to move up. And I never will forget the time. The first reunion I was able to sit at the adult table. And it was so cool. Because I felt that I accomplished something. Listen to me. I was growing. But so many times in our Christian walks, we're still eating at the kiddie table. I can't tell you how many people have told me, Chad, you don't know. You know, I'll be honest with you. I don't know the Bible as well as I should. That's your problem. Read the Word of God. Chad, I, you know, how, how long have you been a Christian? Ten years. Have you ever shared the gospel with anybody? no. and we learn all these things as a child and as a growing adult in the Christian walk that desire to continue to grow should always be present I give this illustration one time I never will forget a church that I pastored and I've shared this several times and i will make a point listen to me the point that I'm making is what he is saying, Hebrews, they ought to know this, but he's having to re-emphasize it again because it's not clicking. And I'm not saying to anybody in here it's not clicking, but I'm going to preach to you. Look, like, that's one thing about going through the Bible when you go through text through text. You don't get to skip the stuff you like and don't like. It's all the word of God. But listen to me. Never will forget, I was sitting on a Wednesday night and all the people sitting there, I said, how many of you have been Christian for over five years? Some of you heard me tell this story. Or one year or five years. And I kept going up. Now, in that room, there was over 200 years of salvation. 200 years. I said, now, how many sitting here have committed 10 verses to memory? You know how many people raised their hand? One. One. It is said that 90% of progression Christian Christians couldn't name the 12 apostles if their life depended on it. Now, here's my point. Now, I don't pick at nobody or on nobody, but I'm going to tell you this. If I investigate myself and I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ, they must be that burning passion in me to not only grow more because the Spirit lives in me, but that also that passion to share with somebody out there, the good news of Jesus Christ. How can you grow if you're not nurtured with God's Word? That's why so many things and people fall apart when the least tragedy hits. Because they don't have that sustaining power of God's Word. That's why when we're confronted with biblical questions, we don't understand. That's why we cower down, because we don't understand the basics. That's why when every single thing that comes our way, we we, we don't act like grown adults, but we throw tantrums because we don't have that sustaining power. The Bible tells me in Colossians 3.16, let the words of Christ richly dwell within you. What that means is not only dwell within you, but richly dwell within you, which means this, not only are you supposed to learn the Word of God, it is supposed to take residence in your life. Guys, that is our foundation, is the Word of God. We're not to be like the Hebrews of old that have heard this, but yet we, we neglect to grow in it Because we choose to do things our own way? And I want you to, I want to ask this question. You see, here's the deal. As I was sitting on, I I had a lot of time to think this week. So I posed myself these questions. As I'm studying this word, I ask myself and I ask us, are we still babies? What are the characteristics of a spiritual baby? I'm going to give you some Number one, now, now let me back up for a minute. Never mind. Number one, we're never satisfied with anything and we cry, cry enough to people hear us. Never satisfied with anything and we cry loud enough to people, so people hear us. Is that not what babies do? Never satisfied. A spiritual baby, that always cries because they're Never satisfied. You see, the thing about the Word of God is it's not to be used to tickle people's ears. It's used to share the gospel of Jesus Christ that people would repent and to help you grow and grow closer to Jesus Christ. Amen? But see, a lot of times babies cry when they don't get what they want to get, they're not satisfied. I never will forget when I was a child. I'm thirsty. Give you some drink. I want a Coke. Drink water. I don't want water. Then you're not thirsty. Now, I didn't like that. But the fact of the matter was it wasn't what i thirsty. It's just what I didn't want. It didn't make me happy. So we always have to ask ourselves, Are we never satisfied? You know, I often think is this one of the hardest things with me? I'm transparent with you. And we've shared this a lot on Wednesdays nights in our Bible studies in the morning. You know this. We've gone through this quite often. God, provide me a way. Provide me a way to get from point A to point B. gives you a bicycle instead of a car. But I'll get too tired of peddling. You see, we have to understand that Christ is enough. And as Paul said, I have learned to be content in all circumstances, whether to have or have not, because I can do all things in Christ who strengthens me. Amen? It's being satisfied with what God gives you. Tells us very clearly in the Lord's prayer, give us this day our daily bread, not give us this day my daily cake. Being satisfied, are we ever satisfied? Number two, we have to ask ourselves, do we have ownership of all the toys? This is mine. My church. That's my pew. We don't have pews, chairs, whatever. My chair. Now this gets personal. One thing that made me funny, I'll tell you one thing I've seen, at a, at, and we shared this one time at a, at a business meet, never will forget this. I saw two of the biggest fights I've ever seen in my life over two things. One was chandeliers. Church was growing, was moving to another building, and a person got mad because we weren't taking the chandeliers. But I bought those. Ah. And they in the dumpster with your faith too. Or a car. We need a Ford van. We need a Chevy van. A man brought up a, uh, a, 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 but a Dodge. I thought they were going to kill him. Now we laugh at that, but I want you to think about this. I'm bringing that for a point. Everything that we have is because of God's grace and his blessing. And it don't belong to me or anybody else in here. I'm the pastor. You're the congregants. And we're only as holy. This place is only as holy as the people that make it up. It's known as I, thee. I was called to be the pastor. You're the sheep. I'm the shepherd. We grow with each other. Amen? I don't own this building. God does. That's not my son, that's not my chair, but it even extends beyond that. I don't want people to have what I have. Let me tell you this and listen to me real good if you never hear another word I say. That that you have can be taken away in an instant. Trust me, been there and got the T-shirt. No matter how great of things that we have, it can be one sickness, one job loss, and we're all this close to being homeless. It's not mine. My children are not mine. <gasps> They're on loan to me by the Almighty God. He gave them to me to raise. In fear and admonition of the Lord. Biologically, yeah. They're Howards. But eternally, they're Jesus. Do we have the mentality that all the toys belong to us? Well, Chad, where do you get that illustration? You ever watch children play? My car. My car. I watched that this weekend. My granddaughter got a car. Oh, no, that's his. No, she can have it. It's mine. Not while Papa's here. You see, that same mentality has ruined a lot of relationships. If we all just take the understanding that everything that we have, own, or do is only by the grace of God, we'll have a greater appreciation for all the things we have. Amen? Amen. Number three. Asking ask if we're babies. Can we discern between what's righteous and unrighteous? You see, that's why we need the Word of God. And I hate to use the old cliche that everybody sees on face gossiping signs, but if God calls it sin, it's sin, people. There's no negotiation. And when we're growing in maturity, we know what we should do and what we're convicted of. You see, a lot of times we give in to sinful behavior because it's popular. But let me tell you something. The majority isn't always right. As a matter of fact, a lot of times the majority is wrong. Now, Chad, how could you say that? Because Jesus told me narrows the path to righteousness and very few people enter into it. And I trust Jesus more than I do men. And I've I've given this illustration many times from a perspective of us, okay, from our perspective. If you hear a few out of ten, how many is that? Three. The majority isn't always right. God's word is always right. Chad, well, I don't know what I should do. Then you read the word of God and you pray to him. And I promise you he will lead you. You see what happens is you see these you see these what I call symptoms of life that thwart you from understanding and completely following the Word of God. These symptoms. Number four Are you still being carried? Or are you able to stand on your own? Babies have to be toted everywhere they go. Listen to me. Brothers and sisters, this world needs a Savior. And his name is Jesus Christ. And we're to go out in this world and we're to stand on our own. Let me tell you what I mean by this. If you're a born-again believer in Jesus Christ and you're a new believer, then it is our job to disciple you to help you stand on your own. To help you grow and mature in the faith. If you say you've been a believer for any amount of time, then you need to be standing on your own. No, I'm not saying everybody needs a seminary degree. I'm not saying everybody should be able to speak Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. But I'm going to tell you this. There's two things that you've got to do if you were born again believer and you stand on your own. Number one, you tell who, who you believe in. And number two, you tell people why you believe it. You can tell people who you believe in. And number two, you can tell them why you believe it. There's so many people that say, Chad, I'm saved, I'm saved, but most people can't tell me why they are. Listen to me. This is very important. And I'm not going to call anybody's names or anybody that was in here, but a person that come talked to me and told me about what they did when they stood up to the two people that come and knocked on their door. They said, you know, my family used to shut the door, but I decided to talk to them. And he said, all I could do was quote scripture. I said, then you did what you were supposed to do. Praise God. And how many of us have done that? Have seen these cults come up to us and they knock on the door. I ain't going to the door and talk to them. Hide, here they come. They need Jesus, people. We should never be ashamed to give a reason for the hope that we have. Never. And that is what's ha- We wonder why humanism is rising in the word, uh, rising in the congregations today and Christ is falling down. It's because of that very reason. Nobody's growing. And it made my heart so proud to hear that that it came to me and I said, now that's a man. And he said, I don't know what all I can go. I don't know all the names, but I can point them to Scripture. And let me tell you something you don't have to be having an education with a title this long to say, let me show you to the word of God. Amen? Amen. Come on, you got to lighten up a little bit on me. That ought to get you excited. If I knew we wouldn't have hit me, I'd have given him a big old hug. You know how, how, as a pastor, that makes me feel when people share that stuff to me? It ain't about what all you've done. done. It ain't about what status you have. It's not about how much education you have. It's that you're willing to take the time to share with somebody who needs the Lord. Let me share you the word of God. That's what matters. That's the sign of of maturity. Maturity don't come with, with what all that we've gained in this world. It comes with relying on Jesus Christ. And he will lead you, I promise. Can you stand on your own? And number five. One sure sign of a child or a baby is do we still have temper tantrums? Listen to me. just like those that rebelled against Moses and Aaron. They didn't get it their way. And they got mad. When you get mad, do you get angry or do you have a temper tantrum? You ever been in Walmart and watch these kids flop around on their back and kick stuff? We laugh at the kids. I've seen adults do it too. Can't talk to anybody in a reasonable voice. I got to scream and let everybody know it. Because I'm mad. Listen to me. How we react in a situation tells a lot about our character. And it tells a lot about our walk. Not only does it tell, uh, tell, tell about our character and walk, it tells everybody that was surrounded with you about your walk. You see, these are things children do. I'm talking about babies. Babies do. But listen to me. You can be 60 years old and still be a a spiritual baby. And you can be 12 year old and be spiritually grown up more than most people around you. Now that strikes hard, don't it? But the fact of the matter is he is having to go back and tell these people the same thing that he had told them about who they are and the price that Christ paid for them over and over because they will not listen. It's not that the ears don't work. Their heart's not in conjunction with it. It's a heart thing. And I want to encourage each and every one of you listen to me. Like me, I'm a transparent parent. And you may think I'm crazy. Well, most people do. But I mean, look, as I'm sitting here asking asking me these questions, the scary thing about it is I can remember when I've done every one of them. And here's the difference in maturity do you learn and grow from them, or do you camp out in them? Do you learn and grow? You're all going to mess up. But do we grow from them? Because look what he says. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need again for someone to teach you the elementary principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. Guys, let's eat that hamburger. Let's put the milk down. If you were born again, believer, and you knew hey, we're supposed to be drinking milk and we'll help you grow. And let me tell you something. i won't make this point. I'm not going off on a rabbit trail, but I'm going to come over here to the side to say this. If there's new born-again believers in here and they desire to grow and we're out helping them, we're the problem. We're the problem. We're to help people grow and learn. And if anybody in this body desires to learn and grow, then we need to make every effort to help them in that. But look, for everyone who partakes of only milk is not accustomed to the word of righteousness, for he is an infant. But solid food is for the mature who, because of practice, have their senses trained to discern good and evil. we got to have the solid food. Listen, as I've said this many times, weak theology produces weak people. Okay? Every one of us should desire to grow in the word of God. And as we grow in the Word of God, let me tell you something. You're not always going to get it right. Trust me. You're going to have tongue twists. I say stuff all the time. I misspeak. We're going to make mistakes in front of people. We're going to say the wrong thing. But understand this. A lot of times we rely on our power instead of relying on God. You're not going to be perfect. But I can tell you this. When you rely on Jesus Christ and hold unswervingly to his word, let him take care of the results. And we grow in him. And the amazing thing about this passage I love is, again, we need somebody sometimes to help push us. I'll be honest with you. I I had several men in my life that mean a lot to me. Now, I will be honest with you. When they would push me, it wouldn't make me happy. Yeah, I've got mad at the preacher too. <laughs> I thought more would laugh at that, but anyway. <laughs> but look, they push me. They push me to say, man, if you are who you say you are, then grow, man. Grow. This world needs Jesus. Now, God doesn't need us. He don't need us. He don't need our money. But he uses us for his glory. And are we willing to surrender to Him 100% completely and grow in Him? We need to be pushed every now and then. That's every one of us. Every one of us. And I pray that you get in this race with me. I pray you grow. And I pray that everybody desires... That solid food, because when you don't, this is what happens. You have to have it taught to you again and again. It's not wrong with having reminders, but it wasn't a reminder that they needed as much as they were. Look, I need a rebuke because you're falling away because you're not clinging to the very words of God. We must cling to His Word. So, I'm going to close this sermon with this illustration going back to my 5K days two days ago, three days ago. Now, listen to me. Hit me in my mind. Something that I didn't want to do, but I did it. Now, what's very interesting about this is those pushers began to get on my nerves. I'm going, I'm going, I'm going. And you know, I think it was getting on other people's nerves too. But what they did was encourage me to finish the race. But let me tell you something cool. I saw something that I believe, I don't know, but I have to believe heaven to be something like this. You see, when I got close to the finish line, all those that had gone before me were sitting there clapping. And these lines of people... We're at the finish line, waiting on me. And as I crossed, they said, "Well done." I have to believe that's what heaven's like, people. That this road is going to be tough on that race, but we have the people that get behind us going, "Keep on, grow up, get up, keep pressing forward." And there's that reward to know that by the grace of God and his son Jesus Christ, I made it to the end. And they said, where? He says, well done. Man, let's press on. Let's press on. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today, Lord, thanking you. Lord, sometimes these messages, when I get to a chapter, I go, oh, here we go. Because, God, I know how easy for me to get upset. I know how easy it is for me to get off focus. And, God, there'll be times when I'll act like a baby, but the thing about it is, your word's very clear. I can't stay there. I must grow and go. God, I praise your name for the solid food given in your word. That your word is not just a sword, but it's an arsenal slam full of swords. Lord, I don't own anything in this world. I don't own my life. You graciously give it to me. God, I'm just a sojourner on this earth. A pilgrim. And a pilgrim That wanders. And Lord, I may wander another day. I may wander 20 more years. I don't know. But one thing I do know because of Jesus Christ, my home's established and it's not here, but it's in your presence. Lord, there'll be times when I'll fall back to those baby mentality and baby ways. God your words very clear that you discipline those whom you love Mm -hmm. and I remember when I was a child I got a spanking when I did not do what I was supposed to do and God sometimes you discipline us that we will grow and learn God I'm not perfect and I will never stand up here on this stage and present to myself that I am in front of all these people because you know my heart and that's what matters but Lord again I have the tendency to fall into each one of these categories But Lord, I am not convinced any other way. This is a hill I'll die on. I stand on it. That God, if I am what I say I am, I cannot camp out in any of them for the eternity. There must be change in my life. God, I pray that that change has been made in everybody's life. Again, people may revisit the house, but they won't live in it. God, I pray today if there's a person here that has not made a professing relationship with you, they've not been saved, they are not a new creation, The Lord, you convict their hearts and draw them unto you before it's eternally too late. God, I, I thank you so much for saving me. And Lord, I want to encourage everyone out here that ain't about where you're going to school, how much, where you're going to school, how much money you have, who your mom and daddy was, that everybody here matters, that everybody here has a purpose. God, regardless of whatever we do, it is not whether you teach things from all the knowledge in the world that makes you mature, but what makes you mature is you a servant You're a servant living for Jesus Christ. God, our attitudes, our actions reflect what we are. And God, I won't let people down. The Lord is when we get off that path that we put our trust in you to get back on it that we continue to grow. We continue to seek You in all things. God, I pray You grow us. Again, not numerically. If you add people, praise God. We want, people to, we want this church to grow numerically, but we desire for it to grow spiritually. Mm-hmm. That Lord, not only do we see people saved, but when those people are saved, not only do we disciple them, but they make other disciples. And then we grow together. And the accountability is one word in Hebrews 10 that I need that pusher behind me just like everybody else does. We all need that pusher saying, keep up going. Just one more round, one more mile. There's a race to run. God, I love this congregation. I love every person here. And Lord, I thank you that I have the opportunity to carry that. Because God, I will not say nothing about me because I'm unworthy of everything. But God, being a part of this group here, you grow me in love. You grow me in compassion. And Lord, it shows very clearly in your word that we need each other. God for those here that are saved that need some igniting God I pray you light that fuse and again God it's not about how you know but being like that other person was that's willing to meet with somebody and say here's a scripture you read it praise God Lord you know my heart I've heard a lot of things and heard a lot of people say a lot of things since I've been here But that changed me in a lot of ways. Because, God, there's nothing greater than seeing the heart of a person willing to show their heart for you. God, we don't know who's among us. Maybe the next missionary, maybe the next preacher, maybe the next janitor, maybe the next encourager, maybe the next handshaker. Maybe person to work with children. God, I don't know. But Lord, it's not about a title. It's about serving you for your glory. That you would receive the reward of your suffering. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We we pray that you continue to use us in a mighty way. And all God's people said, "Amen." Stand in worship with us as we.